Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 18 of Genesis chapter 7, and we're continuing to look at verse 16. And they that went in, went in male and female of flesh, as God had commanded him. And Jehovah shut him in. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we have seen how God speaks of shutting the door in the New Testament, in the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew chapter 25, and in Luke 13, uh, 24 and 25. And there he's speaking of the door of heaven. Now we, I don't think we've gone there recently, but of course the door is pointing to Christ himself, as it says in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So there, uh, very clearly, God relates the door to Christ and to salvation, which, which means when the door shuts, that that is indicating there's no more salvation. People, sinners, were able to enter into heaven or become saved through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ performed on their behalf. But once that work has been accomplished, all to be saved have been saved, then all to enter in have entered in, then the door shuts, which means no more salvation. That's the clear implication by the language found in that parable in Matthew 25 or in the statement in Luke 13, 24 and 25. And it's the clear implication with the historical parable of the flood. The flood was true history. It actually took place the way we're reading about it in the book of Genesis. But it also has spiritual meaning. And that's why it's a historical that is true. Uh, the events recorded did happen. It's a historical parable. The events that actually took place spiritually point to other things. And in this case, it's pointing to the final judgment that comes at the end of the world. And the teaching is God saves his people. Then God ends his salvation program. And remember, we've looked at this before, but in John chapter 9, when the disciples are asking about a blind man, it says in John 9 verse 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now in the Bible, blindness is a figure of being unsaved, someone who's in the darkened condition of 
an unregenerate state. They're uh, unsaved, they're dead in sin, and that leaves a person in the dark spiritually. And whenever Christ would heal the blind, when he would give sight to the blind, it therefore is a picture of salvation. Light enters in, and, and that's how the Bible uh, describes light. It, it, it has to do with salvation. Well, Jesus answered in John 9, verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That is, uh, Jesus does give the blind man sight, and God manifests that work physically. It's really an outward indicator pointing to salvation as all the healings and, and miracles of Christ uh, in performing healings of the sick and raising the dead or giving sight to the blind typify God's salvation program. And, and so Christ refers to the works of God being made manifest in him. His uh, receiving sight is a manifestation that is it's showing forth the work of salvation. And notice it says the works of God. Now back in John 6, in John chapter 6, it says in verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. The work of God is that ye believe. And, and we could paraphrase that and say the work of God is salvation. Because when people believe on Christ, if if they do it in a right way from the heart, it's salvation. And none can of themselves. So, therefore, it's the work of God that ye believe. It, we're saved by the faith of Christ. And Christ's faith was seen. It was shown as he died for the sins of his people. It was his work that showed his faith. And, and it's the work of God that any elect believe. Therefore, Jesus says, um, th- that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That's the context for what comes next. In verse 4 of John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me. And what are the works of him, of God? that sent the Lord Jesus Christ, this is the work of God that ye believe. Jesus is saying, I must perform the work of salvation, and then it goes on, while it is day. I must perform the work of salvation in the day of salvation, is what he is basically saying. Then he says, the night cometh when no man can work. And he's the man that is performing the work of salvation. He can only do that 
during the 12-hour period of day, as as the workday was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and it really um, is used in another parable of laborers going into the vineyard. They work 12 hours to point to the day of salvation, and then at the end of the workday comes the even or the night. And during the night, Christ cannot work the works of the one that sent him, which is that ye believe. He cannot perform the work of salvation once the 12-hour day period has elapsed. And remember in that parable, there was special emphasis placed upon the last hour, the 11th to the 12th hour, because the last hour of the work day, the day of salvation, is tied to the Great Tribulation, as the Bible identifies the Great Tribulation as an hour period. It is the last hour in God's salvation program, the time in which a great multitude was saved. Immediately after the Tribulation, the sun is darkened, the moon does not give its light, and the stars fall. The lights of the gospel. And it's through light that salvation is brought. The word of God brings the light to the sinners and, and, and light shines in the darkness and, and salvation enters in. But after the tribulation, after the twelfth hour, because the tribulation is that eleventh to twelfth hour and upon its ending, the 12-hour day of salvation comes to a close, then is darkness, spiritual darkness, the night in which Christ cannot work the works of the one that sent him, which is salvation. In other words, the door shuts. It matches perfectly with a 23-year Great Tribulation period, 8,400 days, that goes from May 21, 1988 through May 21, 2011. And what happens on May 21, 2011? It's the last day of the tribulation. And it's the point 7,000 years from the flood. Remember, God said to Noah, yet seven days. One day is a thousand years. 7,000 years later, on May 21, 2011, which had the underlying date, in the Hebrew calendar of the 17th day of the second month, which matches the date the flood began. It, it's the time when the work day comes to an end, the spiritual day of salvation, and it's the time when night begins, when work of salvation can no longer be performed. Christ, the door by which men enter in to be saved, is now shut. No more salvation. It, it, all these things are, are using different language to say the same thing. The darkened sun, the shut door, the end of work after the 12-hour day. It is all teaching harmoniously together God's program for judgment day is the end of his salvation. Well, that's one thing we see without any question at all in this language um, in Genesis 7, verse 16, Jehovah shut him in. But 
we also see something else. It's significant, of course, and interesting, but it also relates to what God is doing with his elect people. Because Jehovah shut Noah into the ark and, and the others, the other seven and all the animals, and and the word shut is is the interesting word. It's Strong's number fifty four sixty two, and it's translated um, a, a few different ways. For instance, in First Kings chapter eleven, First Kings eleven, it says in verse twenty seven. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breaches of the city of David his father. And the word repaired is a translation of this same Hebrew word translated shut. So Solomon, we could say, shut the breaches of the city of David his father. That is, there was, there was some kind of, um, we're not sure exactly. It could have been holes in the city's wall or whatever. And so he shut them up. And, and what does that mean? He repaired them. He closed them. He, he, he closed up those holes. Uh, you know, if you have a city and the security of the city dependent on the wall, you can't have holes in the wall, then you're, you're, security system is faulty and of course an enemy could come and and easily get in so he he shut up the holes he closed them or it's the same word as Isaiah 26 that we've looked at so many times verse 20 come my people enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee you know sometimes uh, um, you'll find someone who, who says in Genesis, it doesn't use the word door. It just says Jehovah shut him in. And that's true. The word door is not used. Of course, uh, there, the, the only way into the ark was through a door. And the only way to um, guarantee the safety of all the occupants of everyone that had entered in, including the animals, was by shutting the door. And after... We read that the door shut, we find the rain falls and, and destroys the earth, and if the door was not that which was shut, the water would have gotten into the ark, and and uh, they would have suffered the same fate as all the people outside. So obviously, it means the door was shut. And this word shut is often used with the word door, it's found in Isaiah 22, and we've made reference to this verse at times. In Isaiah 22, verse 22, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. It has to do with doors and gates and, and so forth. Anything that can lock up, or secure has to do with shutting it and it points to God's kingdom it, as far as the ark's concerned with his deliverance you enter in you live you you have refuge and uh, you've entered into the kingdom of heaven you've been spared destruction 
And that's what salvation is. That's why Christ is called the door and all who enter in are saved. Well, this word is also used in Exodus 14. Not of a door, but in Exodus 14 it says in verse 3, For Pharaoh will save the children of Israel. They're entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. God purposefully, intentionally led Israel the way out of Egypt in the path that they took. It was all God's design. It was what he intended to do. He led them to the limits of the Red Sea and they had the wilderness around them. And remember, Pharaoh gathered his army, his chariots, and he pursued and he thought, I have them now. I I have them trapped because the sea is to their back. And so he could just um, attack with his army and the chariots and they wouldn't stand a chance and he could he could kill them all or recapture them and bring them back to Egypt and and the whole uh, slave rebellion would have been over. That's the idea here with the language that the wilderness, they're entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. It's as though they've been delivered up. That's the idea that's being presented here. And actually, the word shut up or shut in is translated several times as delivered in First Samuel 26. It says in verse 7 and 8, So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster, but Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God has delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. The word delivered is the word translated as shut in our verse in Genesis. Abishai said to David, God has shut up thine enemy into thy hand this day. You could read it that way, and it has the same meaning, doesn't it? It doesn't mean he's locked away anywhere, but it means that the situation is such that it's as though he's been handed over for destruction. And you can, as Abishai said, I can smite him with my spear. I'll only have to do it once because I'll make sure he's dead. And yet that word is used. In First Samuel chapter 30, it says in verse 15, And David said to him, Now this is an Egyptian who fled from his master, who was an Amalekite. And and David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. Again, the word deliver. Deliver is our same word, 5462, in Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew. 
in Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 and in verse 30. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and Jehovah had shot them up? That is, this is speaking about a rebellious people. For instance, you could substitute the corporate church. The language here would apply to them because God gave them up. God delivered them into the hands of their enemies. Well, how could it be that that the church falls to Satan and falls to Satan's emissaries? Only because their rock had sold them and Jehovah had shot them up. The Lord delivered them up. You see that there's the same word. And there's actually... Uh, several verses just like this that have to do with God delivering up someone to an enemy. Uh, or it, we find in Psalm 31. In Psalm 31, verse 8, And has not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Now, there's the opposite, where it means God has delivered the individual. He has not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Or, in Job 16 and verse 11, God has delivered me to the ungodly, turned me over into the hands of the wicked. And, of course, Job is a type in his suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered at the hands of the Romans as the Jews delivered him up into the hands of the Roman authorities. He was delivered up to the wicked, to the ungodly. And and that's the same word. The same word. You know, more verses could be shown using this same Hebrew word shut in a similar way. But I think this is sufficient. We get the idea that, you know, we've always looked at Genesis 7, verse 16, as there's the door to the kingdom of heaven, and God shut it. And all inside, Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, they're picturing the elect. Now they're safe and secure. The flood will not harm them. And that's correct. All that is correct. But as we've learned that all of the elect have been saved and have entered into the kingdom of God, we've also learned that God's elect are appearing before the judgment seat of Christ. They are being severely tried and tested by fire. And this same word that tells us of their protection and their deliverance from the destruction of the flood can also instruct us and teach us that they have been as it were, shut up 
to the judgment that they have been delivered up before the judge, before the judgment seat of Christ, as as these references indicate, they have been shut up in a way where their enemies also think that they're an easy prey. Like Pharaoh thought that the Israelites would simply uh, fall before his chariot's wheels because they were shut into the wilderness. Well, since May 21, 2011, God's elect, as far as the world or the church is concerned, has been shut up, delivered up into their hands. In a sense, they have had the impression, and, and God is the one who certainly arranged these circumstances to give this kind of impression that these people who were talking about the end of the church age and the end of the world and the whole timeline of history, they're through, they're done, they're uh, finished with. And it's as though they've been shut up. And it's all at the hands of God. God is working it all out and they are safe and secure. But at the same time, They must go through a grievous period of time in which the appearance before the judgment seat is being made. I think that when we look at this word a little closer and see all these other verses, that it has some implication along those lines. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.